0: Kiss Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I think is into your head, I hope you don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by
1: the board for the board.
0: We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the KISS FAQ message board. And on this week's episode, welcome back, stranger. Joe. How you doing, people? Seems uh, just people. like just like yesterday we were uh, talking about hysteria. That's right. Yeah, that was, yeah, a, that that was th- a lot of fun. That was a fun conversation, and of course, go Quakes. Um, also joining us are the voice of reason, can sixty ninth. Hello. Board. And Marcus Almighty, Mark, congratulations, second single, Project Gemini, Mm. kick-ass song, very, very much digging it, it's, uh, love the lyrics on this one particularly, and it's, uh, you know, I, I, I keep wondering if I'm going to have to say that's even better than the last one, it's even better than the last one. You know, It's uh, really enjoying it, so congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyone who wonders what the hell I'm talking about and why I'm talking about something non-Kiss on a Kiss podcast, well, because I can, and Mark's music's really cool. So projectgemini.com, and Mark, give us the the, uh, the Bandcamp info on that as well, so people can check you out.
2: So, yeah, so if you want to check out the singles, you just go to projectgemini.bandcamp dot com and then if you just put slash releases it'll take you right to those separate releases for ease of checking it out and uh, like julian said the www.projectgemini.com is also a good spot to check out stuff and that was done by our fabulous julian guild A fabulous website i thank you again for that
0: yeah what you get the bill uh,
2: (laughs) exactly but it's worth it every cent
0: yeah, so ha- hand-coded HTML, old school. All right, uh, let's get into some kiss <laughs> stuff. Uh, behind me, you might see the door, and I I dropped the dime on it, and it's eight feet tall. A backdrop, which is coming to Atlanta. So if you like the back of the Odyssey book, that wonderful artwork M- Nils did for uh, Tim and th- my book, uh, and you want to get a photo in front of that door, well, this backdrop will be available. For you to pose in front of, and as long as you keep your clothes on, you're welcome to take photos in front of it in Atlanta at the (laughs) Expo in January. So I'm going to use it for the shows until then because it looks better than that piece of shit I printed out on paper um, using the plotter. So today's topic is, you know, it's kind of the end of Rocktober. And as we get towards the end of this month, what is the album that came out around that time in 1982? The album that everyone always loves talking about, and we're going to touch on some of the other October releases, Creatures of the Night. And everyone should be doing Devil's Horns, Silly Faces, and going all Halloween on us. So, you know, let's just go around on everyone's first impressions of that album when they first heard it and the kinds of things that uh, immediately they think of when they hear that album mentioned. Joe, let's start with you.
1: Okay, the first thing I think of is how Kiss was so dead in the water when it was released. And I was a freshman at the University of Iowa. And I went to the record store and was literally the only guy at the University of Iowa who bought the album. And I was a complete outcast because I liked Kiss. Now, the background leading up to that album, especially being from Chicago, too, is I was made for loving you, killed the band in Chicago. Um, they couldn't draw until the reunion tour. Uh, you know, subsequent tours, I had to drive up to Milwaukee on the Animalized tour because they had to cancel. They didn't have to sell enough tickets. So they had Dynasty, then they went to Unmasked, which was pop and weak sales, and then the whole weirdness of The Elder, uh, one of the greatest musical mysteries of all time. And then they returned to their hard rock roots. And what I remember uh, before the album came out is I used to subscribe to a lot of fanzines. I was into a lot of the new wave of British heavy metal. In a lot of the underground heavy metal scenes. And there was a guy named Bob Muldowney out on Long Island, and he had a fanzine called Kick-Ass Monthly. And Kiss was so desperate, Paul Stanley did an interview with this small fanzine. Mm. And he talked about the Creatures album. He talked about Ace Freely still being in the band. Now, I know they had to have that um, facade to have their polygram record deal with the three original members. But he was talking about a subsequent tour and he specifically said that Rocket Ride would be on the set list, Julian. And I know that's your favorite and one of my favorites of all time. So I was really excited about the album coming out, them returning to their heavy metal roots. But when the album came out, it was, it just fizzled. They were dead to rights now as time has progressed there you go there's the video um you know as time has progressed the album has grown and it has become a classic and very popular you hear i love it loud all the time at sporting events that at least a drum beat so those were my first impressions uh when i got the album and it was uh it fizzled when it was first released but now Thirty-five years later, it is looked at as a heavy metal classic and one of Kiss's best studio releases.
0: And we'll get into why it's looked that way in a few moments. Mine obviously with my entry point being 1985, you know, I've said it before. My entry point for this album was the the Bruce Kulick unmasked cover, you know, because it was still kind of new in stores. That's I had come out in the middle of '85, and end of '85 is when I became a fan, and so that was the copy that I saw in stores. I always thought it was good, and it, it. But in terms of where it fell into my listening experience, because I hadn't gone through those hard years of Dynasty into mass into the Elder into Creatures. I just don't see it as in the same way that anyone who's a fan from the original era will be able to see it. So for me, it's just a, a really strong heavy metal album at a time where I was buying albums all out of sequence, be it Motley Crue, be it Van Halen, be it Wasp. So it doesn't really stand out to me in any way other than being a really good album. Um, it wasn't like a resurgence for me because I was enjoying Asylum, which was a heavy album. So it it, it wasn't dynamically different. Ken, I mean, you're from the old school as well. So what was, uh, how did you encounter us?
3: Yeah, well, like Joe, you know, I I went through the period of, you know, dynasty, even though I, you know, I like dynasty, uh, you know, unmasked was little going for a little bit too much pop, um. Then, yeah, the elder was a total about face. Is like, what would they do here? Though so I, I love the elder in its own right, um, as it's, you know, as a concept or whatever they were, t- you know, trying to do. Uh, I still love that. But, uh, so I didn't know what the heck was going to happen next when, you know, they're going to release the next time. You didn't know where they're going to go because they, they changed, you know, from, the, the hard rock roots you know like from rock and roll over uh, which I, I you know feels the the kiss best kiss sound um I was hoping you know that they'd get back to something like that but I was man when I put put that on I thought holy cow you know they did it you know they're back they're they're back finally to what they should be doing um and that that was just great i, I you know I didn't know I didn't follow the sales. So much uh, at the time of, of creatures. Obviously, we know it, it didn't <laughs> didn't sell well. Along with the tour, uh, didn't do too well either. But uh, man, I, I was I was so happy. I mean that they were back. You know, I was like, this is this is it. You know, they're they're back to what they're supposed to be doing and how they should sound or you know sound in the heavy metal uh, kind of world
0: excellent mark it like like me you you come along in the kiss story a little bit later than you know some of these albums where where and how does it figure for you um and for what you were listening to at the time that you encountered it in terms of other bands
2: well um this record while it's my number two favorite record from kiss period um i got this record really late actually one of the last records i actually discovered from the catalog i had known a lot of the earlier stuff because of my sister as i mentioned quite a few times before and um i had gotten the 45 of lick it up and stuff like that but for some reason this record sort of skipped over our household for some reason i don't know why my sister didn't have it at the time but uh how i discovered it funny enough was i was in my one of my other bands and the other guitar player in the band picked me up one day and uh, he had a CD in his car playing. And I was l- looking at him going, what, what is this? And it was like so thunderous in his little Honda Civic. I was like, what the heck is this? And it was, of course, uh, you know, Creatures of the Night playing. And uh, he goes, oh, you never heard this CD? So he showed it to me. And it was the one with the original cover. It wasn't the 85 one. And uh, from the first time I heard that, I asked to borrow it. And he said, like, yeah, man, go ahead. And he didn't get that CD back for months. Like, I was just absolutely just taken with it and back then i was still relatively new to the whole production end of it i was doing my co-op then and so i was learning about it but the more i dug into this album the more i learned all kinds of fascinating things about it and the production of this record is something that's still stuck with me to this day the thunderous drumming the guitar tones on there um even the vocals sound really good on this record i like the way they mixed it and stuff like that it's just and gene's bass sound on here even though we know gene didn't play very much bass on this record but the bass sound that they had on this record really good really really punchy and it fits good with the drums i mean if you think about it those drums are so ominous on this record that the bit of bass guitar in with that where you can hear it you have to do a bit of scooping in there and fiddling and twiddling with those knobs a bit to get the eq just right and it's it's just a fantastic record. I mean, sonically, I don't think they've done something that's been as good in my opinion, and people may argue and that's that's fine, but I think that's one of their sonic peaks as far as a produced record goes.
0: It's the real sonic boom, so to speak.
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs> Joe,
0: you know, what is it about the album that makes it so great for you? Is it the songs? Is it the sound? Is it that it has the backstory of coming off several years of uh not being so great, or is it Uh, you know, come, come down to, I guess, you know, what Mark is intimating, you know, that they captured, I think Nico Bolas is the engineer who was well known in the industry for being incredibly talented at capturing individual instrumentation in the studio and absolutely being very dynamic along with one of the other techniques that have become popular around this time. But what is it for you that makes it so great?
1: It's actually all the above. So when, when I purchased the album, like Ken, I was really excited that they returned to their roots, and they were even heavier. And to feature Eric Carr's drumming in such a powerful way was great. thirty five later thirty five also at the time, it was really it was pretty cool because they because no one liked Kiss that much anymore, they fit into that underground scene. They fit in with the Saxons and the maidens and the Metallicas that were just coming up. And not a lot of people liked them. So they were that, they were like an underground heavy metal band again. So I enjoyed that aspect. But now, 35 years later, it's still a great album. And what really blows my mind is when you dig deep into who played on the album, so many people came from a non hard rock metal arena and created a heavy metal masterpiece. You had Robin Ford, who's a blues guitarist and doesn't even like Kiss. You have uh, Steve Ferris from Mr. Mister playing lead guitar. Michael James Jackson produced Olivia Newton-John. Um, Vinnie, Vincent Cusano was a writer for Happy Days and bouncing around. I mean, he had rock roots, but, you know, it was more of a he, he, songwriter, singer, uh, rock you know, more mainstream rock and roll. You had all these players, Brian Adams, uh, Canadian pop, emerging Canadian pop star, uh, wrote one of their heaviest, most most iconic songs that gets played at sporting events to this day. So it it, it blows my mind that all these non metal people helped create a heavy metal masterpiece. And I agree with all you guys. It's one of my top, definitely probably my second favorite kiss album. Well, if you include Ace Really's solo album, it's my third favorite, but uh, for <laughs> band band collaborations it comes after rock and roll over for uh studio albums.
0: Yeah, and, and some of what you say there, you know, some of the players, uh Jimmy Haslett, bass, yellow jackets, and black and blackjack, of course. He is a monster player to be playing on a kiss album regardless of, of the session, the session work, Mike Baccaro as well as a session player on this and who knows who else can, what is it that makes it so good for you?
3: Well, to add on to, to Joe's comments, uh, you know, with all those people, it's to me, it's, it shows how well Michael James Jackson produced this album that he could, with all these different players and different songwriters and how, how he was able to make it sound so cohesive, like it was one band really playing uh, these songs, Uh, which is, you know, that's just amazing to me when I think about it. The other thing that stands out is, like everyone knows, the drums. And it was really the first time we really got to hear or see what Eric Carr could do. Um, Elder, you know, was a little this and that, and he didn't play on every one of those As we know Um, but you could really see in the in the rock world what he could do and he was just awesome i mean just to show his talent on that so it was finally you know time to you know put him out there and let the world see you know who, who this drummer was so as for the rest the songwriting everything the vocals guitar everything is just it's fantastic. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just a, a fantastic album. It is you know, definitely in my top five, for sure, um, like you guys. so
0: For me, it was always the sonic signature of the album, that it's so powerful, it's so dynamic. Um, if you remember back in the day, if you had a double tape deck, you could uh, put two separate tapes in, play one, it would flip over to the other side. And if you'd hit play on the second deck, then it would cue that one up afterwards. So it was like almost, you know, you'd get four sides of tape without having to flip anything over and all that. I regularly had Asylum in one deck and Creatures in the other. And it was just the bombastic (laughs) intro to Asylum, obviously for me, was King of the Nighttime World. And the first time I heard Creatures of the Night and the bombastic introduction to Creatures of the Night and, you know, even better production, than Asylum, because come on, as much as I love Asylum, I'm not going to say it comes anywhere near Creatures of the Night in terms of its sonic fidelity. It's a good uh, poor man's copy of a Perfect Moment in Time, but it's nowhere near that level of depth. So those were my go-to albums for for quite a long period of time because once once I discovered it and found out where it fit into the kind of the band's history. I was like, okay, it makes it makes sense, and it, it it almost seems that the two that are in between it, you know, lick it up and Animalize, don't quite fit as well as Sonic Partners as creatures in Asylum do, at least for my ears. Mark, what what is it that grabs you the most? The the one I guess thing that really makes it a great album to you?
2: Um, I think it's got to be the songs. I mean, it's one of those rare Kiss records again, where. I don't find myself skipping songs on it. I, I really like everything on this record from beginning to end. And I mean, the when I keep talking about the production of it, that's just really the icing on the cake because if the songs were terrible and it had great production, then you still wouldn't want to listen to it if the songs sucked, right? But uh, the songs are great. Um, we all know that Paul Stanley said several times that he's, he'll say every day that Creatures is a better album than Lick It Up. And I tend to agree with him. I like it better than Lick It Up. I find that I skip a couple songs on Lick It Up more than I do anything on Creatures, but it's uh I, I like that the songs the 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 it was kind of more aggressive even the messages were more aggressive like you know Killer and you know Creatures of the Night and I Love It Loud and you know and even back then just like a, as I was showing in those little video clips you know they were trying to come across with a little bit of a harsher image and it seems like the media kind of picked up on a kind of a wrong image almost with them with the whole, you know, smashing of the records that they were doing back then and stuff like that, how making them turn out to be some kind of, you know, Satanists, which they really weren't, obviously, right? But, you know, I I think that if anything, while the records didn't do anything monetarily, it didn't sell as good as their past works, one thing I know it did do is that I kind of started putting Kiss back into the cool books, especially when I was in high school and stuff like that. I know that a lot of people started, you know, they were a bit more willing to pull out their jean jacket with their kiss patch on it when they played, you know, Lick It Up on MTV and stuff like that. So those records, I think, helped push them back into the the cool ranks. You know, you didn't have to drop your head anymore, like from, you know, Dynasty or Unmasked because, you know, this is heavy, this is cool, this is what was kind of happening at the time. So, you know, I I love the songs on it, but I'll admit, you know, liking those records, you know, Kind of also put a little bit of a stamp of coolness on you when you were in schools and stuff like that, because those songs at that point had a little bit more grit to it right
0: yeah, and you know their image all of a sudden you've got magazines like Kerrang or uh, kind of coming out in Europe, and anyone who uh, probably knows which Kerrang issue i'm thinking of right now which is the creature's gene on the cover of that kerrang episode and inside you've got the tank you've got everything you know they're, they're starting to get a little bit more visibility elsewhere you know joe what was it like in 82 you know were what were you reading in terms of rock rags and were you seeing anything of kiss there i, I think you said that to, earlier that you know paul had to give an interview with basically a, a no uh, a, a low fidelity fanzine to kind of get the right. message out
1: So I read. I primarily read three fanzines. Um, It was Brian Slagel's out in L.A., and then Bob Maldowney's, and then uh, Ron Quintana had one up in San Francisco called uh, Metal Militia. But uh, Bob Maldowney's was the only one that really gave any uh, credence to Kiss. Kerrang! definitely was my Bible. I mean, I couldn't wait for the new issue. I think it came out fortnightly, and when it came out, I mean, I had to go to the store and get it. And, it, and they gave Kiss a lot of great coverage. And I have, you have to give them props for that. And that's where you'd get the majority, probably all of the information on the band from Kerrang because they were still pretty much ignored in the United States until they took the makeup off for Lick It Up. So yeah, Kerrang was my go-to most definitely with uh, all news considering heavy metal and definitely covering Kiss.
0: Yeah, some of the American magazines that, I mean, we kind of lived or I'm I'm sorry, I'm projecting there
1: um, that you guys
0: had in the 70s circus, you know, was Mm -hmm. kind of focusing on the Pat Benatars in 81, 82. and, and And it kind of shifted out of, I guess, what it was the big arena rock metal kind of groups.
1: It was amazing. You bring that up. There was an issue. I think it was Hit Parader. It was either Hit Parader or Circus. I got to look back. But they actually had an issue. It said, Is Heavy Metal Dead? And they listed all the bands, you know, Aerosmith, Kiss. And a lot of those bands, yet, were on a decline, but they failed to ignore that all these bands were coming up in England and were giving a resurgence. And a band like ACDC and a band like Van Halen were carrying the mantle into the early 80s. But, uh, yeah, as far as American magazines, no one, everyone ignored Kiss by their early 80s. And,
0: and look at the music scene. I mean, you, you just touched on some of the bands, the big boys from the 70s, Aerosmith. Where are they in 1982? Well, Rock in a Horror Place comes out that year, but that's with two replacement guitarists. And it's not, I love the album, but it's not to the oh, same great. level as, you know, even Night in the Ruts or, you know, and it doesn't hold a candle to rocks. Ted Nugent wasn't... uh uh, Derek St. Holmes, gone by that point. Um, you know, the, the bands had kind of. Tenu- uh, yeah, so Ted Nugent and
1: then, you know, other. Queen, f- Queen did their disco oh, you know, with Hot Space. Yeah. Oh, man. Hot, Space. Hot <laughs> Space. In the United States. So, yeah. Was another
2: and, and even funny, funny enough, when you mentioned it, uh, Rush at that point had put out Signals, and while that's not a terrible record, there was a little bit of a backdraft because of the more extensive use of keyboards even for that time right
1: yeah it's, it's it's interesting because i always uh, i always call counterparts my my rush creatures of the night album because that was mm. a return to the hard rock but, oh
2: that yeah. sounds a great album
0: yeah I don't know. I, I thought there was worse to come from Rush than uh, Signals. So I actually I love that album. So, you know, Ken, what, like what, what, what were you what were you reading? And, you know, to keep up with Kiss well, in 82.
3: I know I I had <laughs> I had subscriptions uh, to, uh, to Circus. I don't know if I had one to Hip Rater. I might have had one to Hip or, Um But, yeah, they were they kind of fell off. The magazine, and if they were in that magazine or one of those two magazines, they, they were, it was very short, (laughs) a little snippet about whatever they were doing. They weren't, you know, uh, on the front cover anymore and, and a full article or anything like that. Um, and you talk about Kerrang, um, yeah, around that time, there's a record store that I used to go to here that opened that was, they had a lot of imports. Um, and, uh, that's where I first learned of Kerrang because they had some of the, uh, European magazines, uh, there. And I had that. I remember getting them, those magazines, Kerrang. I remember them giving a fantastic review about Creatures of the Night. And I was like, holy cow, someone actually is giving Kiss a good review, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, and then I think even later in the year, they have like a, a poll. Uh, among their, their writers where they, you know, they rate the top albums of the year. I want to say that was like number one. If it wasn't number one, it was very close to number one as the heavy metal, you know, hard rock heavy metal record of the year in Kerrang, uh, which is pretty darn amazing. So, yeah, that was a, that was a magazine, um, I got when I used to go down to that store and that's where I also bought, uh, then I bought the import 12 inch. Singles of, you know, the creatures of I Love It Loud or whatever. Um, the one that's double groove, and then there's a regular one. Um, so, and so I had bought a few things there um, that were really cool at the time that you couldn't get at Tower Records. They didn't sell that at Tower Records. Uh, it was only at this import record store, which was very cool. It's too bad it went away.
0: Yeah, all those sorts of stores were the, the really fun places to browse. Mark, well, we, yeah. You know, I shared that little clip that uh, someone had posted on the FAQ, and unfortunately the FAQ's crashed right now, so I can't find out who posted it. But, but how, how important do you think the – obviously that, that clip that I shared with you was someone uh, talking about the kind of – Gated drums. The gated drums that were kind of yes. discovered in 1979 and laid at the feet of, I think, Peter Gabriel, that it really mm-hmm. became a practice and uh, a very much like a signature of the sound of drums in the for much of the 1980s and obviously yeah. it's very very evident on Kiss's Creatures of the Night that that was a technique that was new that was probably implemented the very best way because they were never able to do it again so you come to the engineer mm-hmm. and the technique how important do you think that is in in term, and explain a little bit of it to you know if you can translate that into something that will uh make sense to someone who knows absolutely fuck all about music and recording <laughs>
2: <laughs> well the whole thing with the gated drums is it's it was it was put around a sound where they use a type of reverb now the the thing is what it has to do with not only the verb but it has to do with something called a noise gate which is just like imagine like a door way right now the door is open the sounds coming through when the door shuts there's no sound can come through so when you adjust the knobs on it what you're doing is when the drummer hits it, the door opens, and then you adjust it to where it shuts again so that there's no more of the sound ringing. So in the 70s, when you had those kind of dry drums, where you'd, you'd hear it like, thong, thong, like the snare drum would just echo and echo. When you adjust that, it would be like, thong, and it would just shut it. Like, it would just be like this little small hit of it, and then you would add all these kind of different monstrous reverbs to it that would give it that kind of a sound. And then what you would do as well is you would take the reverb, so instead of it trailing and going so long, like, do you would put the gate on that verb so that the tail of it would stop as well. So it'd be like, doosh, doosh, right. and that's how you got that kind of sound mm-hmm. into it now. And those, that snare drum, you know, intruder, like they said, Peter Gabriel, P, PG3, that record, it starts with that sound. And that's, you know, you got to thank Phil Collins or you got to dread Phil Collins for coming up with, the, with that, with them, right? But it was so signature to the early part of the 80s especially up until 85 at least and even longer they had it but that snare drum and kick sound was everywhere right and if you think about it the simmons drums is just another example of that but just electronically so it's because those are very short but big supposedly supposed to be big sounding drums right and they have those really stupid sound to them when you hit them right Mm -hmm. but um It's it's something that was very staple to the to the whole sound of that time. And look at like we said, we 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 mock it, but look at how well they did it on Creatures of the Night. Like when that drum beat comes in with I Love It Loud, everybody's on their feet because it's such a anthemic, you know, sound. And and I'll tell you this, I've seen numerous bands and even Kiss tributes play that song in the club, but if you ain't got that sound and that verb on that kit it just sounds like nothing i've seen bands where they're playing and it's just like dude doo, doo, doo. it's just so lame and like small it's like come on you know like now drummers try to use like trigger samples to maybe try to find that verb so that you can use it and incorporate it into the live drum sound because you want to make it sound huge right just like that right and like i said it, it's something that people don't like especially on the snare drums i find that people used to say oh that's such an 80s snare drum sound and lots of bands had it because it was such a big sound everybody then wanted to go for the big production and while the drums got bigger unfortunately some things got smaller you got these tiny little keyboard sounds and the guitar sound sometimes got a little smaller especially in like the new wave period and stuff like that but they always kept that kind of a gated snare for bands you know throughout that time period
0: yeah, and when you listen back to it, you know, I, when I, I I saw that little feature, I went back and listened to the old Kiss albums. And I'm like, okay, you've got a lot of, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of the essence of what was later captured with the noise gate and the reverb, you know, with you know over application of maybe hi hats or cymbals, mm-hmm. you get a little bit of that metallic crispness coming through, but you still have more of a bounce to the drum sounds underneath that. And all of a sudden I mean this creatures drums every whenever you talk about creatures or the Wendy O Williams album right Joe there, there's oh, yeah. there's, a, there, there's <laughs> a there's a there's a crispness and an underlying power to all the music uh, all the instruments on the albums but it's the drums that are the foundation so th- th- that always yep. strikes me you know and, it, and it's fun to go into the technical side of that you know it's captured by miking rather than anything else mm-hmm. but I, I, Is that the only thing that really sets this album apart? I mean, we we kind of come back to, or are the songs good enough? And what's left off this album? Is it as good as it could have been, this album? Knowing now what we know, that stuff like Back on the Streets was excluded, and recently um, the Warrior CD came out with the rehearsal of Betrayed, which was another song that was intended for (laughs) the album, Nowhere to Run of course, was included for it. Is Creatures as great as it could have been, or to a certain extent, is it overrated? Ken?
3: <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a... I, I don't want to say it's overrated. It's not overrated. It's as good as people, you know, say it is, you know, most of the time. Um, uh, I'm not going to say it's their best album, um, but it's, it's it's up there. Um, as for how could it could have been good. It could have been. Um, you know, it's, it's my, my life. life. It's my life. <laughs> I always say that. It's, like, it's my life. Uh, I know we're gonna did. hear something from. Uh, you know, we heard a snippet of Gene's uh, vault demo version. I don't know which version that is fully. Um, that is, maybe it's that, all That
0: That is Gene's demo. That is. I don't believe any's on that. By the way.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so. Man, um, if if they used the music like that they had for Wendy o. Williams, "It's My Life" with them singing, that would have been a fantastic song to have on there. And you know, and we've talked about some of those other ones. Yeah, you, you talked about "Betrayed," that's cool. Um, you know, uh, was it uh, Back, "Back on the, on the Streets"? The street? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go, Mark. And um, and also "Not for the Innocent," even with the trade-off vocals. For you know, Gene and Paul. So yeah, I think it could have been better. I could it could have been a little bit better. Um, in, in this case, I wouldn't have minded if they added a couple more songs. Kept the songs they had on there. Added a couple more songs. To put maybe a, a, a additional song on side one and an additional song on side two. It still would have been it would have been even, even greater, I think.
0: I've, I've said Wendy O. Williams, Joe, so I'm going to dangerous territory with you
3: asking <laughs> if
0: Creatures of the Night could have been better. Uh, what do you think?
1: Um, I have to agree with Ken. I Actually, I don't think it could be... The only way it would be better if he added a couple more songs. The only weak spot for me on the album is I, love, is, um, I Still Love You. Uh, it I can listen to it, but it kind of grates. Uh, it, it was the bathroom song on that tour, but... Obviously, Paul felt strong about it and had to put it in there. I don't know if that was about Donna Dixon or if, it, as well as a million to one was, but um, I would have loved to have seen "It's My Life" added to it. The Vinny songs on it would have been great too. But as a standalone album, I mean, there's this album I can listen through top to bottom, and I like every song a lot and love uh, quite a few songs. Creatures is great. Uh I love it loud. As much as it's overplayed, I do not get tired of it. And War Machine is just friggin' awesome and I love when they play it loud. So uh can you improve it? Maybe a little bit, but not by much. It's that and rock and roll over in East Freely zone was pure perfection for me coming out of KISS. Um uh, so yeah. But to add a couple more songs, that would probably be the only way to really improve it. And I still love you, I can skip.
0: Yes so so it's like knock 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 universal deluxe edition if you know now if any like non original's album deserves a deluxe treatment it would be this one even with uh the worm of uh you know Vinny's involvement in it so <laughs> so
2: Mark you that question to you can it be better Well uh, let's put it this way from any musician's perspective when they listen, look back to their record they can always say yeah it could have been better. You always think it could be better. You, when the day I hear a musician who's completely satisfied with a record, I'll be shocked. But, you know, we, we also kind of forget a few things as well. I mean, during this period, they also had to do Killers for, a, for the record label because they were, you know, because of the fuffle that happened before. And from what I keep reading on various books and stuff like that, um, they were against the wall. They were using multiple studios to get the record done. You know, time was against them, you know, during this period, too. So, you know, they didn't have the luxury like some bands. Like, I remember when I was watching The Making of Hysteria, you know, they were, you know, Joe Elliott could be sitting there playing on a guitar and Mutt and goes, that's the great song. We got to go and record that right now. Like, they had that kind of advantage where they can go and drop in another song at the 11th hour. But Kiss, there was no way in hell. Like, when they had the nine songs bed tracked and they were working on it that was it there's no way you know you know have came and said hey guys i got a great song can we do this as well they probably look at them like you fell out of a tree or something right but they they were time constrained too so for what they did and how much time they had to do it i think creatures is just unbelievable it turned out fantastic i mean you know, Gene was going through his personal t- trouble too. I think Diana Ross had left at that point, and that's why he didn't play some of the bass I read in certain books, right? So, you know, who knows if that's true or not? But, you know, look at all the things that supposedly were happening during that time, and they still made a record like Creatures. So, hats off to them for that.
0: Yeah, I, I think if it get, gets expanded with any of those songs, I, I think it would have made sense to include Nowhere to Run, you know, just from the point of view that it wasn't included on any release in the United States, their home market. But by that time they're probably so down in the dumps they needed something to pick them up other than cold gin and it was just like get nine get nine songs out there and and it doesn't yeah. matter. You know, what are the reasons why the other songs were left off? Well they've talked about you know, it's my life. I, I I don't accept that answer. I I think there must be something more to that story yet to come out about why it wasn't um why it was not included.
1: Paul didn't want two Gene singles on the album. <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> he, he, you know, he's, a, who the, knows, he's, he's, well a, he's a
0: co-writer. I would I would love uh, to find out what the real reason is. I can understand that for Back on the Streets. It competes directly with I Still Love You. And is, is Paul, you know, going to, at that point, let someone who's not even in the band yet, don't forget, he's just a co-writer, mm-hmm. a, basically a, a gunslinger, you know, have that sort of focus because they're that it's going to get commented on so that one makes sense um what else betrayed you know i i I just don't see that as a fully fleshed out song at at this point um you know i I I guess
2: what about any of the other songs off of the killers i mean they're not great but i mean i guess they could have been technically looked at right
1: I
0: don't know think around, I don't I don't maybe? think
2: any of them sound
0: right to go on the album. I think they're they're a completely different session. Yes, the killer session becomes the creature sessions, but they're completely different. They're, yeah, they're dynamically different. They don't sound right. They don't have the same production uh, qualities, or they have the same producer, but they don't have the same engineering. Um, mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're two different. How would they sound? Well, look what they do with the remixes for Nowhere to Run and the Partners in Crime, you know, later on in the decade. They try and beef them up and make them sound right. But, you know, it, it's, it's that moment in time, I think. Yeah. So, Rocktober, is Creatures the best October Kiss album that's, that's come out, Joe? Because uh, what, are, what are your other choices? You get Alive 2, you have right. Hotter Than Hell, Sonic okay. Boom, Monster and Carnival of Shit.
1: What, yeah. What about
0: Psycho? Psycho came out in September. That's right. Okay. You know, um, autumn. Autumn is always the time of year
1: for Kiss, really. Exactly. If you look at the number of, of uh, albums that came out. But So, I mean, Hotter Than Hell has better songs, but it's just so muddy, and I like those songs so much better on Alive that if I want to hear Parasite, I'm going to go to the Alive version because Eddie Kramer's producing it. So, I would have to say that Creatures is the best Rocktober release. And I did
0: forget to mention one there, and uh, Hot in the Shade.
1: Shade. I'll stand by this. I liked <laughs> The Elder because it wasn't unmasked, and I liked Hot in the Shade because it wasn't Crazy Nights. So, right. That's my reasoning, but...
0: Holy shit. Here's you know, here's some live news for you. The Atlanta Kiss Expo. Vinnie Vincent Mc, uh, mini guitar replica coming from Axe Guitars, just like Bruce has just done that mini oh, guitar cool. of his banana. Mm-hmm. Of, that's Joe's favorite album, obviously. Crazy Night's banana guitar. Of Vinnie Vincent's <laughs> doing one. Mark, you know, Rocktober. What are the albums there that you think are, are the best and the worst and compare it to Creatures?
2: Um... Well, I still have to say that Creatures is the best out of them. Again, kind of like what Joe said, um, Hotter Than Hell has some great songs on it, no question about it. Um, I still like the songs off of Creatures more, surprisingly. Um, But again, Hotter Than Hell will always have that bad, bad mix and master against it, no matter how great the songs are. Uh, compared to, especially compared to Creature the Night, come on. And, uh, Alive 2, you know, we talked about that, how, you know, how much of an ear bleeder that could be on headphones with that audience. You know, the, it's, it's like Beatlemania with pitch shifting in there. It's like, oh God, with that audience. But, uh, I don't think it's a, a same level to my, in my opinion. I, I mean, I think Alive 2 is a great record and a great release from other angles, but not musically. And, I mean, don't even get me started with, like, you know, Sonic Boom and Monster. I mean, I thought Sonic Boom, they had the right idea, but the end result was not good. Again, it was one of those, you know, things that all those guys like me go on those uh, production message boards, all the those engineers that complain and bitch about the, you know, the loudness wars and say how, you know, everything got turned into audio sausage and complaining about it, right? Well, Sonic Boom is one of those records, and Same With Monster—they're overcompressed to shit, and they're every every engineer that I know would would hate to have their name attached to that because it's just not what you want to do when you release music, right? So those two are out. Uh, Carnival of Carnival of Souls—I mean, again. If it was, if it was not a kiss record, if it was a, if there was another band that Bruce was making, you know, that was supposed to be directly in compet- competition with Alice in Chains or something, yeah, it would be a good record, but it's not a good kiss record. Uh, Hot in the Shade, you know, what am I going to say? It's, it's, a, that's just a demo record, right? I don't think it compares anywhere near Creatures of the Night. So Creatures is hands down the best.
0: Nicely put. I'm gonna be uh, contrary. I'm going with hotter than hell. Even with the poor production, I'm obviously one of those uh, bad Johnny Come Lately fans who uh, doesn't know his place and is going to go with an error which he wasn't even a part of. And at three years old in 1974, um, I was barely. Well, I wasn't able to make any decisions. I was probably still eating paper. But there we go. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick up. Hotter than hell, strictly because of the classics in it. You know, for all of the negatives when I look at Rocktober in terms of Kiss, Sonic Boom and Monster, I like. I like the songs. I would love them to take the original. You know, I don't know what it is in Pro Tools. Uh, you know, whether it gets compressed as it goes in and is fucked forever, or whether it could be given to a real producer slash engineer to do something with and salvage because there are just some audio flutters that I can pick up when I'm listening to particularly Sonic Boom that I'm like, you know, it makes it an unappealing listen, which really ruins what, uh, in some cases, are some very good songs. I'm not going to say it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say that there are some lows on the album that are pretty damn low. But in terms of it being a band in 2009, well, 35 years into a career, making a, you know, making an album, it was a great return to form. It was pretty vibrant. It wasn't too mm-hmm. cliched. Monster, the same is the case. I, I, except I find the production even worse. And the high is higher because long way down is, is a great song. Um, so those ones don't really come into you know any contention vying for the best of Rocktober. Carnival of Souls, sorry, nowhere near. There's still a few songs in there that I like. Hot in the shade. you know for what it was, for, Joe said it best, you know, uh, it wasn't crazy nights. And I, I had the same sort of reaction back then. You know, when I got it, I was listening to it in Singapore, and I was like, you know, well, I like Long Call Winter. It starts off with a bluesy Bad Seamstress blues, you know, uh, falling apart at the seams. And here's Kiss now doing the same thing on their album, and I thought that was perfectly fine. But in in terms of overall product, uh, no, nowhere near. So I'm going with Hot in the Shade. I'm yeah. I'm going with Hotter than Hell. They both start with Hot.
1: Damn it. So. Uh, <laughs> With the albums that you brought up, you know, like like Sonic Boom, I, I remember just being so ticked off. I was so angry when I purchased it because there was so much hype surrounding the uh, Walmart aspect, and there was going to be these Kiss corners, and I was expecting half of Walmart to be filled with Kiss stuff, and it was just <laughs> shoved in the back. And then you come home and listen to it, and it was okay, but then you have Paul Stanley ripping off Poison, who ripped off Kiss and then Anomaly was released at the same time. And I was like, you know what? I'm listening to Anomaly instead of this because I, I, I just, I don't know. Sonic boom just rubbed me the wrong way at the time. Carnival of souls. I was listening to already because so many people already had passed out the demo. Yep. It was yep. kind of a, you know, you bought the CD just to buy it cause it was Kiss, but you heard it already. Um, I really don't have a hatred for the album. I, I, I think there's a lot of good things on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alive 2, you know, you guys covered it, you know, extremely well on that one epi- uh, episode a few episodes ago. Uh, the one thing about Alive 2, though, is Larger Than Life, I think, is a song that would have fit on Creatures of the Night mm-hmm. because it had, you know, Gene Simmons is going for that cashmere drum sound, and that sounds like it would be a Creatures of the Night song. It could fit on that album. So on, this, on side four of Alive 2, Larger Than Life, is definitely a highlight for Gene Simmons in his songwriting.
0: Yeah, I think you just mentioned one of the interesting things about Sonic Boom, and I managed to not go into Walmart. I, you know, in San Francisco, Walmart's <laughs> not allowed. It's uh, strictly verboten. And, you know, I had to order mail order from them to get it, and then of course I got a copy from England, which came in a jewel pack because I hate those freaking digi packs with a passion. So jewel case uh, <laughs> is the version that I have left. But, you know, it, it, it did kind of bother me. That you know, never enough. Was it never enough that rips off uh, or dangerous? Which which one rips off poison? I can't remember. Um, At least never. Yeah. And, and then of course Gene rips off himself with uh, "I'm an animal," which right. sure, <laughs> which of course had been done by right. Peter Chris in part. So yeah, that was that was kind of bothersome. But I was happy for one reason that all of a sudden Psycho Circus was not the final Kiss studio album. Mm. And I, I, I remain happy in that sense, though I hope Don't Touch My Ascot" ends up being the final Kiss recorded song. Um, Ken, what rocks yeah, your well, boat in Rocktober?
3: Yeah, well, for me, it's it is Creatures of the Night. It's going to be the the top one, the best one that was released, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Hotter in Hell, like I said, have, have great songs, but the one thing, I mean, if I think about it, I, do, I listen to Creatures of the Night a lot more than I listened to Harder and Hell, you know, as far as albums go. Um, the Harder Than Hell is, you know, I would say is a close second for October releases. Um, yeah, Creature of the Night, it was just perfect. I mean, just the sound, the the cover, October, Halloween, monsters. I mean, it just it just all the whole thing worked. Um, unfortunately, the you know the people didn't get it out there. Um, It didn't work for them, I guess Or it was too late uh, Because they had already uh, You know, jumped ship So, Mm -hmm. otherwise What's really big for me Is, of course, the sentimental You know, Kiss Alive 2 Is a a big deal For me Uh, Halloween, and I know I I bought it around That time, in October And it was my first album, so (laughs) First Kiss album um, so it, it ranks up there. Hot in the Shade, yeah, again, I agree, you guys. It wasn't crazy, crazy nights. Um, it was at least somewhat a return to form, even though it was a lot of demo, you know, kind of sound to it. Um, a little too long, a little bit too much filler on it, but uh, otherwise it was okay. Um, then Carnival Souls is, is good. And like Mark says too. You know, it's a good album, but it's not a good Kiss album. It's not. It's not a Kiss. It's just not Kiss. It's it's a good album though. You know, otherwise it could stand on its own. Um, and then Sonic Boom and Monster, yeah, I remember going to Walmart in the morning uh, on that day it came out and looking for that Kiss corner, and it's like there's no Kiss corner. Yeah, it's like a Kiss over in the middle side aisle somewhere, <laughs> there was something over there. The Kiss M&M's were over here. <laughs> and this. Kiss M&M's, there.
1: they didn't even have t-shirts. They had the Kiss M&M's, <laughs> a couple packs of Kiss M&M's, and then a with the CDs. Yeah,
3: know? the cards, the little Kiss cards, I remember, those little, they had some kind of baseball oh. type cards, too. I, I bought one of those packages and I bought Kiss M&M's, which I still have. Uh, but then in the other, then that was far away from another partner store where they had the, you know, son- they they were putting out Sonic Boom shirts. They had Sonic Boom shirts and uh, Kiss Destroyer shirts, uh, t-shirts. I bought actually uh, uh, Kiss Destroyer <laughs> shirt. I didn't buy the Sonic Boom shirt. Um, but yeah, it was just like, and then I had to go to the music department to get the CD. So it's like, what the heck, you know? But anyway, uh, it was yeah, that was, was kind of a letdown. Though the album. Um, I actually enjoy the album uh, more now than I used to. Um, I think, think it's a lot better than, you know, I thought it was back at when I first got it. Uh, there was a couple standout songs I liked a lot, um, but I think it's production wise, I think it's better than Monster. Monster is just come on. Oh, brick, oh yeah, brick, come brick, on. Monster brick wall, you know. Though there's a lot of good songs on there, Julian, like you say. <laughs> I mean, I love Freak. Um, Long Way Down, I love that song. Um, I just think there's something missing on Monster. I don't know what it is. There's something that bothers me about it, other than the sound itself. Uh, There's just something. I I can't put my finger on it, but something doesn't sound kissed to me. It just doesn't sound enough kissed to me. I I, I can't even explain it, but it's something. uh, Maybe I'll figure it out someday. Um, though there's a couple of good songs, and like I said, it's just something missing there. So, Creature of the Night it is the one you know, for October. Rock may- October.
0: Maybe Monster has too much backbone slippage. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, that might be. <laughs>
0: you, you know, one of the things with uh, Sonic Boom, and obviously, uh, you know, they included that disc of re records on it, which. You know, someone was mentioning, and I I don't know whether it was as a result of an interview, I I know I was working on something recently with that, and they said, surely Sonic Boom is gold certified by now in the United States, having shifted, I think, the last sound scans were 360, 370,000, which if you multiply by two for the discs would mean that it's at least gold. Well, unfortunately, I, I did some checking into that, and one of the things that comes up is just like Symphony where people thought that was going to be gold because it had two discs in it. It was not mm. ever-certified gold because it misses one core requirement for the RIA. It does not contain 100 minutes of music. And the exact same thing gets mm. Get Sonic Boom. It's not 100 minutes when you add the two discs together, even though it's got two CDs. That is not the mm. basic thing for a modern certifications. So Sonic Boom is going to have to do it honestly if it's ever going to get a gold certification and who knows maybe it will but i think kiss signed such a bad contract with walmart for that distribution deal um, i think the evidence of that all that you need to say is well it wasn't included in the monster box set so they obviously weren't allowed to reproduce it outside of you know where they did a limited private run of the uh, what was it the five colors vinyl for it so very disappointing i you know sonic boom how often, and this is what I do to it, and uh, Joe mentioned Anomaly. Anomaly, mm-hmm. Sonic Boom, and BK3. Just jumble them in and randomize them in Winamp, which, mm. and I, I find that to be a thoroughly enjoyable listening experience because you get Aces shit coming in. Uh, yeah, that just makes the world a better place. Of course. His, al- <laughs> his album did not come out in Rocktober. His came out in September of that year. So, um, The tours of all of these Rocktober albums... Creature, yeah. creatures always figures very high on people's want list for a pro you know a pro shot to emerge because obviously it's vinnie vincent on tour with the band um the alive two tour absolutely stunning that is the height of kiss hotter than hell tour you get winterland which is obviously mm. them before they're famous but starting to find their feet on the road the hot in the shade tour well, it doesn't start in Rocktober, unfortunately, for those people who got to see it, but it's absolutely amazing in terms of the breadth of the set list that they performed. That was them embracing the the past, finally, thanks to the failure of Crazy Nice, in my opinion. Uh, Carnival Souls, there is no tour. So what do you guys think? Uh, can you pick a best tour of the Rocktober albums, and why? Mark, let's start with you on that.
2: Um... Well, out of the ones that I saw, um, I saw them for um, Sonic Boom and for Monster. So those are the ones that I actually saw. Um, and I enjoyed them. They were they were great. Um, uh, before, before that, I saw them for the reunion and for Psycho Circus as well. But I didn't get to see them, obviously, back in the day for, like, Creatures, which I would have loved to have seen because, you know while I saw footage of the kiss cruise when they did the recreation of the stage set there and stuff like that, I I thought that that was pretty cool. That would have been, that would have, that's something I kind of mildly regret not taking a chance and maybe going on that kiss cruise because that, that's probably the only chance you would have had to to go see that era of a show and not having been in 1982 to see it like Ken did. Um, but uh, I, I think that, for me, that's the one that nags at me. I would have loved to go and see that tour. I mean, I have video for um, Hot in the Shade, and, while well, that's a fantastic tour. They did a lot of great songs during that tour, and they had the Sphinx set and all that, so that was really awesome as well. Um, it's it It just doesn't have that same vibe to me. Like, there's something about Kiss and Makeup and that whole stage setup that really kind of pulls me i don't know i can't explain it it's just i, I want to see i would have loved to have seen it because he did it on the cruise and i didn't see it it kind of bugs me that i didn't go and see it but i think that's the one for me that i that I, I, I would put my you know i would like to see because the, the other ones that i've seen are good i the sonic boom was a good you know it was a good tour Monster was pretty good, but I mean, already they were starting to incur those, those little problems that we'll not talk about because you've heard it 100,000 times here. And, you know, they've already gotten past that point, right? But I would have loved to have seen them at that at that time in their career when they were re, um, re-fired up to get themselves back on top again. And that's always an interesting time to see a band. Because when you've been knocked off the top of the hill and you want to get back on top, that's when you're going to see them giving you their all-out best performances and they're going to try their hardest to make you remember them again, right? So I, that's when I would have loved to have seen them.
0: See, my answer is very quick. Um, I I would say my favorite tour of this, and obviously, again, I wasn't alive. Oh, I was alive, but I wasn't going to concerts when I was three. I wasn't in, the, this, uh, in this hemisphere, I don't think um, Hotter Than Hell. If I, if I could go to any one of those just because they're hungry, they haven't made it yet. Mm. And so much of my life is, you know, has, as a Kiss fan has been Kiss is a successful band that's made it, that's over the top, that is an icon, that is a legend. To have experienced them, I can't even go with Alive 2, even that being the height of Kiss for visually, Super Kiss, um, you know before they jumped the shark with Dynasty. I can't even go there. I want to see them hungry. And you can never go back to that point again. Um, so any of you that saw the band through, you know, the the mid part of the Dress to Kill Tour are just very, very lucky people to have experienced them at that time. Sonic Boom and the Monster, they just leave a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Not because they weren't good shows, they were still fantastic Kiss shows. They were just part of the decline for me of the industry, of it becoming so expensive and torturous to go to these events to see the bands that you love and, you know, be spending several hundred bucks on the experience. Yeah, you get a great show. I have always get a good show out of Kiss, even to this day, even if I, you know, niggle and pick at some of the things that go on during the shows. um, They're still a great thing to go and see. But uh, hotter than hell for me. Joe, what about you?
1: I will say this to my grave. So I've seen hundreds of concerts. I've seen Kiss uh, over 30 times. Um, Starting from the Dynasty Tour, the best concert I've ever gone to was Creatures of the Night, Dubuque, Iowa, in front of 3,000 fans with the plasmatics opening up. And they played like they were in Brazil in front of 200,000 fans. They put on a kick-ass show. It was awesome. We were up front. We felt the flames, the heat (laughs) of the flames. I will it's the greatest concert I've ever been to. So that's number one. How hot, hot in the shade is in my top 10 of all time concerts. And I tell people, I say, I, it, you know, one of the best times I ever saw kiss was without makeup. Cause that set list and that stage show too, was great with Leon's the Sphinx. That set list. I remember I bumped into a friend I hadn't seen by accident. I hadn't seen him in a few years and his name was Jim. And I was like, Holy shit, Jim. And it all of a sudden, they open up with "I Stole Your Love," and we almost crapped our pants. It was like it, <laughs> they're back—you know—they're back again. It was, that, that was a great show, too. So that's a top ten concert of all time for me as well. But Creatures, hands hands down, that tour and that show just blew me away. And I will go to my grave saying that's the greatest concert I've ever seen.
0: What was what was it? You know, was it the power? Were they hungry? Were they desperate? I mean, three
1: thousand. Yeah, no, it was it was. It was crazy. We had to drive because I was at school, and I my roommate wanted to go, and we found someone else with a car. We were, like, the only three people that liked metal on campus, and we drove, like, an hour and a half, on the, two hours on this, you know, uh, Iowa highway and in ice and s- snow, and we get to this small venue because they didn't play these. They, they, you know, they played a lot of secondary and tertiary markets, and we get in there, and there was hardly anybody there. But Wendy Williams came out with the Plasmatics and just kicked ass. It was total heavy metal. Put on a great show. And then Kiss came out, and yeah, they just put on a show. And, and in hindsight, thinking, you know, they could have just phoned it in because they were it was such a small crowd. But no, they were playing like they were playing in front, of, you know, at Tiger Stadium with so much energy, so much fire, so much flames, and we were right there up close. It was great because when I saw them in the Dynasty tour, I was all the way all the way back, and I wasn't too thrilled with the set list. This was man, they were they were playing the kick ass songs. They had a kick ass album. The energy was there, and it it was just great.
0: Awesome. I, I always I, love when we get you guys who actually went to these shows to to recount them rather than me watching a video and analyzing it. Ken, uh, uh, here, here we go again, Ken. An opportunity for you to remind us all about the three creature shows that you went to, of course. But which of these Rocktober ones? You know, you, you've been to other shows. What is your
2: pick? Yeah,
3: still, still, it's, yeah, the creature show is going to be the the first creature show in uh, at the Irvine Amphitheater, Long Beach... Um, or Irvine, I guess is Irvine. <laughs> I was in Long Beach area, California. Um, and that was the first show, uh, during, you know, driving down, uh, the day before, you know, driving six hours to get, you know, to Southern California. And, um, it was like Joe said, it was, I mean, they were hungry. They were, they came out, they were on a rampage. They were moving around the stage a lot. Crazy stuff. Towards the end, uh, uh, Paul Stanley got, I believe, got on Gene's you know, shoulders at the end of our concert, um, which is you know never seen before or since actually. Um, and even with the new guitars, you know, Vinnie Vincent, it was just, man, it, it was just in your face the whole time, and the 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 stage that went with it was just. Absolutely fantastic, with the the moving turret and the treads moving and the the the, the fog coming out of the you know the, the pipes and the the blasts you know the bombs when they fired the the turret you know the gun turret kind of thing. Um, so it it was just fantastic. While that's the best show, and I saw them three times right, two in a row there and then. About a week later, up in San Francisco, I would trade two of those creature shows for one uh hotter than hell with at Winter Winterland. I would have loved to have been there. I mean, we see the tape. I would just love to have been at that show. <laughs> I just I just can't imagine how awesome it would have been to be there. I mean, I get so excited just watching it. Uh, on tape and how I feel they're you know they're hungry like you said Julian they are hungry they're still not there they're still trying to reach that you know plateau but they're not there yet and so they're working as hard as they can with all the signature moves from Sean Delaney and all that stuff um Gosh, you know, i trade two, like I said, two of those three creature shows I would trade to have seen that one show there.
0: There's only one thing that could make the Winterland better for me. And I hope that, you know, one day an audience recording from that show surfaces so that can be Mm -hmm. uh, a matrix created between the soundboard and the audience. You get a bit more of the audience uh, kind of feel uh, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: for that show that that would just make that absolutely perfect for me. You know, it, 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 uh, Rocktober, we're very lucky with KISS. You know, obviously this year we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of Alive too. Um, The th- What is it? The uh, 35th of Creatures and, you know, Carnival of Souls, 25 years. No, 97, 20 years. So 20, 20th anniversary of Carnival of Souls. I mean, that just boggles the mind. And I, I find it very sad and melancholy to say the 5th anniversary of Monster, which is the last album that they've put out which it is it, time has flown and they had a little creative spark going there. I wish they had been able to do the originals, you know, three, you yeah. know, uh, have a third album in that set, but uh, I don't see that really happening now. So final thoughts, yeah. um, rocktober, hell of a month. You, you, you guys who saw the creatures tour, you know, as we're predominantly yeah. been talking about that, you're lucky. You saw the plasmatics open. What a hell of a powerful opening acts they had on that tour you had motley Crue, ken
1: and of course
0: night ranger opened other ones and night ranger was a heavier band with their first couple of releases as well uh would have been a fantastic performance to see especially when you look at some of the live videos from their early period that do circulate you know they're a good band so rocktober that is our look back at it you know for all of you people listening today you know what are, are your you know what's the biggest thing that kiss ever gave you in rocktober is it creatures? Is it hotter and uh, hot in the shade? Hotter than hell, alive too. Um, Sonic boom, monster. Did I miss any this time? Carnival songs. Uh,
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then creatures. You know, the specific question is, uh, I guess, can creatures be better than it was, or is it just all those extra songs? Would they have? Uh, you know, made it less focused, less good for your personal taste. So, you know, wherever you listen to this, chime in, you know, comment on our opinions, give us yours, and we'll go to have a conversation. But for now, from Joe, from Mark, from Ken, and myself, thank you for joining. Thank us you today. for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today.